have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor who has designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and industrial projects and single family homes up and down the East Coast. And now, Ken the Contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. If you want to do the best possible job, go in and either caulk or use an expandable or low expansion foam around all of those cracks and then come back and put the bat insulation over that. The bat's going to fill the big cavity, but it's not going to seal it extremely tight. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here weekends at this time, helping you with the questions that are important to today's homeowner. Or maybe you just got a little project around the house you want to wrap up and need just a little help this weekend. You can always be part of our program. You can give us a call at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or email your questions to Ken at KenTheContractor.com. Now, electrical wiring, switches, outlets, panels, those are not some of the glamorous things that we have around our house, and typically they're not the type items that we're going to set aside any dollars in our budget to be shopping for. But I'm going to talk to you for a few moments about reasons why you may want to be setting some money aside or at least investigating whether you need to be doing some upgrades. Normally when we're upgrading, we're thinking about cosmetic. We're looking at floor covering. We're looking at cabinets and countertops or light fixtures or paint. But we, there's a safety side to our homes that we always need to keep in mind. And we have so many elements that we rely on daily in our homes that we pay very little attention to that, one, can create a safety issue, and, two, may not function always just right, and we don't give it a second thought. So let's talk a little bit about electrical for a few moments here. Now, the Electrical Safety Foundation uh, or the organization called Electrical Safety Foundation International, which is a nonprofit organization, has done all kinds of statistical studies regarding electrical safety in your homes along with the National Fire Association. And each year they report that electrical failures are causes of oh, almost 44,000 home fires resulting in 438 deaths. Now, we don't think a lot about that. We just hear there have been fires in a home. But the investigation reveals that almost 44,000 homes are burnt, either totally destroyed or partially destroyed because of electrical shorts. In addition to the 438 deaths, 1,430 injuries occur and 1.47 billion, that's billion with a B, in property damage occur all because of faulty wiring and electrical devices. Now, when I talk about wiring, I'm talking about things you typically don't see. We're not talking about extension cords necessarily, although that can be an important part of electrical safety. But in many cases, we're starting at the very basic point of electricity in your house. That's where it enters. That's from the meter to your electrical panel. Now, many of you that are listening to us today live in a building or have properties or an existing home that still has the old fuse panel in it with a little round fuse with a glass uh, insert in the top to see whether it's blown or not. And others also have some older style breaker panels. Well, I will tell you that these devices wear over time. Just because they are there doesn't mean that they're as sound as they were when they were put in. There may be grounding issues with it, number one, if it's old enough. And sometimes even panels that are not ancient but may have been in for 30, 35, 40 years that are still functional and will perform well have grounding issues. Those need to be looked at on a regular basis. And, and most of these items I'm talking to you about right now are not things for the do-it-yourselfer. These are things for a qualified electrician. But I'm going to give you some telltale signs of where you may have some electrical issues in just a few moments. 
but the grounding can come loose. Grounding wires are separated from pipes or ground rods over time, and this may be a reason that you're having some issues with some of your more modern electronics. Secondly, the older type wiring that was put in homes in the 40s and 50s especially had what some of you would refer to, some of the industry call almost a cloth insulation around the outside. That becomes very brittle over time, especially if it's exposed to extreme heat by being in attic spaces or outside walls that attract a great deal of sunlight. As that becomes brittle, you no longer have the safety factor around the copper wire on the inside. And I've had people call. They live in a very old home. They've had lights flickering and other things, and they tell me about this. And I'm saying this is something you want to take a look at. In addition to that, our switches and outlets, especially those even in newer homes that are constantly used, if it's the first switch on and the last one out every day by you, your children, visitors in and out of that house, they do wear out. They don't last forever. So these are things that I want you to pay particular attention to. Now I want you to start thinking about some particular issues you may have. I've talked a little bit about fuses and older electrical panels. If you have an electrical panel that you sense is warm when you touch it, the fact that you may have most things on in your house, the air conditioner, the TVs, the washing machine, the hot water heater that's electric, under normal usage, when you have, I'll say, full power for what is full for your house, if that electrical panel or if any device, a sub-panel, feels warm to the touch, folks, you may have an overload, may not be tripping the breaker or blowing the fuses, or there could be loose wires. There could be issues that can become bigger problems later on. I want you to pay attention to those type items. Also, if you've got a switch that works on an intermittent basis, and I get email questions about this from time to time, if you have an outlet that you can plug into occasionally and it works and sometimes it doesn't work, this doesn't mean that you have a major problem. Not trying to scare any of you, but what it does mean is that you need to pay some attention to it. These are potential safety issues. If it's a switch that only works occasionally, you could have a loose wire, either on the switch or it could be a wire nut inside the box where the switch is tied to the light or to the line voltage, something very minor, very simple. It could be a matter of replacing a dollar switch. They're not terribly expensive. If you have a wall outlet that is in a similar situation where sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. If you test it with a device, whether it's a vacuum cleaner, a lamp, an electronic device that you know works in all other outlets and this one continues to fail or short out from time to time, you need to have that checked. Whatever you do, don't let these things go. Now, Also, when we deal with electrical safety, a few other things for you to be aware of that if you're in a house built certainly prior to the 1970s, the probably mid to late 70s, you're not likely to have any GFI protection in wet areas. And these are outlets or breakers on a circuit in wet areas that make it almost impossible for any of us to become electrocuted. They are extremely safe. They function quite well. And today, some of the more modern items include an arc fault uh, interrupter circuit, which senses a bad wire or short on lamps in bedrooms and so forth and will prevent fires from occurring. A few quick items that I want you to jot down, and you can go to my website and find out more about this to help protect not only your life, which is number one, but also your biggest investment, your home. also want you to regularly check all extension cords, all outlets, all switches, as I just mentioned, and that includes uh, wires on your appliances. Some of us have appliances, toasters that may be 45 years old. Folks, these things wear out over time, not just the toaster, but the wire. It can create an electrical problem. Be careful with your use of extension cords. Extension cords are designed only for short-term periods, and they need to be rated for what you're drawing on them. Don't put a skill saw on an inside cord. You can put your hand around that, folks, and you can feel that heat up. I have seen cords melt, the insulation on those, because you're drawing so much power and it doesn't trip the breaker. 
This is where many fires occur, so I want you to pay attention to those. You also need to be certain that if you are replacing a breaker or an electrician or someone's replacing a breaker or one of those old fuses that you don't use a higher one, that is also a culprit for fires. You need to use what the circuit or the panel is rated for. And also, as I said, I want you to consider replacing some of those current outlets in wet areas and in bedrooms with AFCI or with GFCI outlets. And whatever you do, be sure all of your smoke alarms are active and functional. You replace the batteries if they're line voltage, that they're properly tied in, and test them on a regular basis. Just be safe. Coming up on this hour's Ken the Contractor. Ken's going to go one-on-one with the president of Honeywell to talk about new technologies Honeywell is using in your thermostats. And also, tell you about a smartphone app that allows you to measure decibel ratings. That's coming up. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend, Ken Patterson is here dealing with the questions that are important to today's homeowner. If you'd like to join us, you can at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And you can email your questions to our website. That's KenTheContractor.com. Let's take one of those email questions right now. And that's exactly what Stephen has done. He comes to us from Pennsylvania, and he said, I'd like to replace the Formica around my shower and bathtub with some kind of water-resistant material. So the Formica was glued to existing tile underneath about 30 years ago and is separated at the corners, causing water to leak through the kitchen ceiling below. Not good. Now, what kind of materials are available that I could glue over tile wall? And it goes on to say, like most of us, that I don't have a ton of money to spend on new tile here. Well, you have so many options today that didn't exist 10, 15, 20 years ago. And, Stephen, I'm going to start out with what probably would be some of the most economical for you to work with. And I understand that this is a tile or a surround that you're discussing here. And for many of you, and I, I take it that this Formica is the uh, older style, some of us called it Formica, was a printed pattern tile board that was over a hardboard backing that was so commonly used around showers for decades and around tub surrounds especially. Well, I'm pleased to tell you, Stephen, today, that probably a product that would suit your budget is called FRP. Now, that's a fiberglass-reinforced product. It's smooth or it has a stippled finish, and it's available in multiple colors, and it's available in sheets up to 4 by 12 Now, most bathrooms don't need a sheet that size, but you can get it in varying sizes. Many of the big-box retailers will carry that and some of the specialty stores throughout almost all of our listing area. Now, FRP is a fully adhered product and it has the color throughout it is a fiberglass product very durable impact resistant and it's resistant to mold and mildew it's used not only in residential but it's also used commercially with little thicker uh, product if you will no fasteners to it and there's vinyl trim or plastic trim that's made for corners tops and bottoms and i think you'll find that this would be user friendly for almost anyone if you follow the manufacturer's instructions to install it again it's called frp it's a fiberglass reinforced panel Now, you may also want to consider pricing. When you look at that, some of today's fiberglass or acrylic panel liners that are made by many, many manufacturers, and again, the retailers typically in almost every area, bed, bath supply stores, especially plumbing wholesalers, will tend to carry these or be a distributor of these products. Many times they are custom-made. In other cases, there are standard products that are ready-made for uh, traditional sizes, and I would look at those because they simply snap in place. They use some adhesive on the back of them. There's no fasteners, and they are watertight if you follow the manufacturer's instructions. Now, those can run from quite inexpensive to very expensive, and then you can go on up from there. If you've got a bigger budget or others listening may have, you can put cultured marble 
materials on the sidewalls today. It's no longer just for your vanity top. And then, of course, for some of you saying, I've got a similar situation, but I really want tile. I don't want to peel the old tile off. You can tile over existing tile as long as it's sound, it's properly adhered. So, Stephen, I think you've got several options, but on a tight budget, I'd be looking at the FRP and see if that doesn't take care of your problems. All right. Let's go to the phone lines right now, and it's Gilbert who joins us. He listens to our program on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, and WTRC AM 1340 out of South Bend. Gilbert, hi. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Tim, I've got a question concerning... Argon gas in a window. Okay. I had a lady. I do. I do replacement windows, and she uh, she asked me she didn't want to spend the money and replace them. So she asked whether there was somebody. She said she had heard that there was somebody that can put the argon gas back into the window after it's leaked out. I've never heard of anything like that. There are companies around. Let me tell you, they're hard to come by. It is a franchise operation. The company that started this was in Canada. The businesses are not in every city. I'll put it like that. The best way I have found to resolve that, and I've done this myself, where I've had an issue with sometimes a window that's only two or three years old. Sometimes it's been yeah. a window much older, but I pull the entire sash out, take it down to my local glass company, and let them redo that. Now, they're reusing the glass, they're reusing the sash, but they are redoing the seals because obviously if it's leaked, there's something wrong with the seals, typically. Right. So they redo the seals in it, and then most glass companies that I've worked with will have the capability of doing that. Now, there's also a company called, and I'm going to give you a website to go to, okay. if this is just a foggy window. I can't guarantee that they reinstall argon gas, but they get rid of foggy windows. And their website, oddly enough, is called getthefogout.com. And that is a specialty contractor that deals with this. They're going to drill holes in the glass. They're going to clean the glass. They're going to essentially plug that glass, and they're going to cause the area to be vapor-proof again when it's all said and done. I can't tell you that they're reinserting any type of gas, whether it would be argon or some of the others that are used. Okay. Well, I would like listening to you. You, I appreciate it, you know, and I'm a contractor myself, and I just, uh, I mean, I, some of these questions come up, you know, from some of these ladies that have foggy glass, and so I thought, well, this is a good question for Tim. Well, you know, for all of us in the industry, I'll tell you, it's sharing thoughts and ideas and experiences that make us a little bit better every time we go to That's a new right. job or a new client. So you feel free to call any time, and I hope I'm able to help. Oh, thanks a lot. You did. Thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Thank you, Gilbert. Let's get an email in here. This one's out of Pennsylvania. Yeah, and Jim writes to us. He tells us he's got a problem with a retaining wall, and I'm going to paraphrase this. He says he's got a house that's built on a hillside adjacent to the neighbor. It has a railroad tie or chrysode retaining wall that's about 50 years old. Wow, that is quite old for that. He says it's rotting at this point. And the bottom line to him is if the wall fails, it's on his neighbor's property. It's not his property, but it's retaining uh, the earth and protecting his neighbor's garage and drive, but it's also supporting part of his driveway. What does he do? He says, what's my neighbor's responsibility and what should I do to protect myself? Well, Jim, this is rather interesting. And the uh, first thing I tell you to do is go back and check your property deeds, your, any covenants and restrictions that run with your property to see if it addresses this situation, because obviously you are probably in a community or at least 
you have adjacent property owners where there's some other hills. So there may have been something put in the covenants and restrictions that deal with responsibilities. I also want you to consult with your local town or county, their zoning department and their regulations, and the zoning official there should be able to address this if anything is covered in the municipal ordinances that exist. Now, one other area that would be interesting for you to talk to or to check out would be your homeowner's insurance policy because in different states the laws vary. So I want you to talk to your insurance company and see what they would tell you in terms of liability. Do you have any liability? Are they going to cover your property if this wall fails and you lose your driveway or even a portion of your garage? Or is it the adjacent property owner that has that liability? I want you to gather this information initially before you talk to your neighbor about it. And the other thing you may throw in on that, if you have a friend or a relative or an associate somewhere that's just a real estate attorney that understands laws quite well in your state, you may talk to them. But if you do that without having that relationship, it may cost you a dollar to. All these other things I've told you are free and involve your own research. Then once you know a little bit about the laws of the area, anything that can be impacted regarding covenants and restrictions or your zoning department, then I want you to talk to your neighbor. And I'm going to assume you're on good speaking terms with your neighbor, but I want you to have just a good, friendly conversation with them about the potential problem, not only to their property, but also to your property. And typically, typically you will find that good neighbors will find a way to work through this, and it may be beneficial to both of you, even though it's on their property, that you might come to the table and offer a little assistance, whether it's physical labor and putting something together or maybe even writing a check. That makes for good neighbors when both of you benefit. And if you're not on best of speaking terms, I would still advise your neighbor of your concern, and then I would follow up with a letter, certified mail, return receipt. Have this conversation before, not after. I would definitely have it before. You don't want to have a problem and then have it. Got to take a quick break, and then we're right back with more. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. This is Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here weekends at this time answering questions about your home inside or out. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. You can forward him questions to our website. Email those questions to KenTheContractor.com. And don't forget, you can friend us on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow us on Twitter at Ken Answers. Time now for this week's edition of One on One with Ken the Contractor. Each week, Ken brings you information about products and services from companies and experts he interviews during his travels, all to make your life better, provide options, and importantly, to save you money. Joining me now is Beth Wozniak. Beth is president of Honeywell. Beth, welcome to the show today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here with you. We're thrilled that you could join us today, and I know our audience is most anxious to hear about not only some of the new things that you're introducing this year, but before we do that, we want to talk just a little bit about Honeywell. How long has Honeywell been around? You know, Honeywell has been around since the late 1800s, and we do many different things. And I run the business called Environmental and Combustion Controls, and at the heart of that business is the thermostat. And the thermostat has 125 years of history. Now, that's something that most people, including builders, probably don't know, to take this back 125 years. But we do know refrigeration came in in the 1800s. It wasn't common, certainly in buildings or in homes. But Honeywell started out in the infant stages, really, of conditioning. It really did. And and if you think about... Many people recognize that round thermostat that was designed over 60 years ago. And an interesting fact you may not know is that product is in the Smithsonian because it's an example of great function and great design. It tells you, though, that it works, and it has worked for a long period of time. Now, when we talk about time, though, devices have changed. They may serve the same purpose, but the way they function is unique today given the electronics and the sophistication of our heating and cooling systems. What are you introducing that you 
really want folks to know about this year? Well, a great question because, you know, over the years, you know, just talk about that history. We went from having mechanical thermostats to electronic to digital displays and touch screens. And now what's great about thermostats is they're not just about temperature control. They're about managing your indoor air quality. So if you think about ventilation and humidification, those are all things that your thermostat does. And now thermostats are connected. So it allows you to manage your home's comfort and energy from anywhere that you are at your fingertips. Now, is this something with the new technology that a homeowner can typically install? Is it that simple in many applications, or does it require a professional to come out, an HVAC contractor? Well, we've been in this business a long time, and we know that there's different types of consumers, and there are do-it-yourself applications of, of thermostats, but there's a lot of professionally installed thermostats as well. It just depends on what the homeowner's comfort level is and the level of sophistication. So we really offer that wide range. Now, will there be differences in the performance of the units installed by the professional versus the DIY thermostat? Absolutely. You know, our most advanced thermostat, our Prestige IAQ, that's one that will be professionally installed, and it has that full capability of being able to manage humidity, manage indoor air quality. It has great capability for the homeowner, and it also has a lot of capability for the contractor to be able to remotely monitor how well a homeowner's system is performing. Air quality is an item that has become massive across this country. For whatever reason, people may be more susceptible to allergies today because of air pollution. It just may be our health situation across the country. When we look at this type of thermostat, does it involve a change with systems that are already in place, or can they be modified to work in conjunction with the thermostat to help with that quality control? It depends on whether you have an old furnace system or whether you have one of the newer ones installed. And if you certainly have a newer one, and you should always check with your contractor to know what you have, but this thermostat will easily work with any system. More of the benefits are derived if you have one of the the more newer systems installed in your home. So for many of you that are living in homes across this country, you are likely to be in a household or within a house structure that was built prior to 1980. About two-thirds of the American homes were built prior to 1980. That also says that it may be time to be looking at changing. If you haven't already, that old heating system that's there, if you have changed it and upgraded, you may be in one of the more sophisticated units where you can easily adapt that to the new thermostat. We're talking to Beth Wozniak, president of Honeywell, and I want to go to one other item that I know will be important to everyone. What benefits really can home owners see from installing this smart connected thermostat in their home right now because this is one of those things that's rather instant. We love the instant gratification. Well, a couple things. One, you're going to have a thermostat that's easy to use, that provides you information at your fingertips that you can control anywhere. So think about if you're having a a crazy day and you're not going to get home and your thermostat's set to a certain temperature and, and you know you're going to be home late, you can change at your fingertips that temperature. Or let's say you're traveling and you're here at the show and you forgot to set back your thermostat, you can do that as well and save energy. Then, of course, you can manage your humidity and your environment and so create a more comfortable atmosphere for your family at home. And not to mention, you know, these thermostats today, they actually look good. So one of the things that we have with this new thermostat is what we call color match. And if you see the display of this thermostat, you can match the color to your walls, to what your shirt color is, whatever you want. So it's kind of fun and playful, and and people start to see thermostats as a little bit more of a design element in the home. It's no longer just a functional device hanging on the wall then. 
No. And, you know, if you think about one of the homeowners' biggest items that they need to budget for is energy, and a thermostat can manage half of the home's energy usage and save someone up to a third on their utility bills if they're managing their temperature and programming it. That's a really good investment to make. And not to mention all the things that we put in our homes these days, hardwood floors, you want to protect that investment. And that thermostat helps you do that. Where can you buy this unique thermostat? So our prestige IAQ that you can get through the professional channels, so through one of your contractors, and it's available. And for people who are interested sitting at home listening to us right now, they want to learn more about this, where do they go? They can uh, look at Wi-Fi thermostats, and you will find out a full range of Honeywell thermostat, but you also can call your local contractor and learn more about this product as well. Beth Wozniak, President of Honeywell, we thanks for sharing all the data with the folks that are tuned in, and we know they'll be rushing down talking to their HVAC contractors and looking for the new thermostats. Thank you so much for being here. Ken, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. That's this week's edition of One on One with Ken the Contractor, as each week Ken brings you information about products and services from companies and experts he interviews during his travels, all to make your life better, provide options, and save money. And Ken, we've certainly come a long way from those old thermostats where you'd try to figure out exactly what the temperature was with the dials and everything, to where now with the computerization and everything that you can almost almost perfectly balance the interior in your home. And that's what Beth's talking to us about. The technology is absolutely astonishing because, as she said, we're not only dealing with temperature control, which was the very basic, that was the beginning of heating and cooling on a central level within our house, but now we're talking about whole house air quality from humidity control, even dust control with the type filters that we have today, and all of that feeds back. To the brains of this, that's the thermostat, and the information is being sent there in many cases to our tablets, to our smartphones, to our desktop computers, and it gives us so much more information than we had in the past. So Honeywell has been with us since the very beginning, as she said. They are on the cutting edge of the technology, and I'll tell you, if you've got an old thermostat and you're thinking, can I make my system more efficient simply by changing the thermostat to programmable to some of the smart thermostats, you're going to find you can save money even with a system that may not have a great SEER rating on it. So I really encourage you to take a look at it. If it's not a do-it-yourself item, if you're uncomfortable with it, contact your local HVAC contractor and ask them about Honeywell. Do you have a question for Ken the Contractor? You can email your questions to Ken at KenTheContractor.com. Give us a call, 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. This is Ken the Contractor. I'm Jim Britt along with Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. We're here every weekend at this time to help you deal with the issues that are important to today's homeowner. You can always reach the show at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can send your questions to our website. That's KenTheContractor.com. Dan joins us now from Elkhart, Indiana. He's got an issue Ken he needs some help with. Deals with plumbing. I'm uh, in an older house, and I've got the plumbing needs to be replaced, and, of course, there's no access panel. I do suggest I do this uh, changeover. I want to go ahead and add a uh, shower and uh, take out the old uh, fixtures. And uh, So, yeah, do I just go in from the back, opposite wall, cut a hole, get into it, and then put a decorative panel around it or replaster uh, re- it or what? I appreciate your input. Have a great day. Be safe. Bye. 
Well, Dan, I think you're on the right track. I'm not sure you need much help from me, but that's about all you can do. Now, if you're completely gutting the entire bathroom, that's different. You may pull all the plaster off and redo all kinds of things as far as reframing and, and adding electrical uh, fixtures and switches and outlets. But if that's not the case and you describe that it is not, I would do precisely what you're talking about. First, if you have access from the back side of the wall and it happens to be in a closet area, Access panel to me is absolutely the way to go for two reasons. One, it gives you the clear access that you need right now to do your retrofit. But two, should there be a maintenance issue at a later date or a need to change out that faucet or a valve or fitting, you've got that ready access. Under modern codes today, most plumbing has to be installed where fixtures or trim items are accessible. And so these access panels are easy to find at your plumbing wholesaler, your big box stores, and they look nice and they can be painted. Wall covering can be put over them. So they really disappear. If it's not in a closet, then you probably want to look for an access panel that is flush as opposed to one that goes in that may leave sort of an eighth of an inch of a a flange around it. They do make flush panels, again, that you can put wallpaper over and you can paint and has a tendency to blend with the wall. So I think you're on the right track. That's exactly how I'd be pursuing it. Good luck in your venture. All right, we get the app of the week, and it deals with noise this week. Well, it does. Most of us think nothing about the noise that's around us, but many times we've been trained and exposed to it from a workplace standpoint. And we understand that decibel levels are very important to our well-being and to our safety. So App of the Week this week is something that's absolutely free. It's an app for your Android-based phone or your iPhone, similar apps available, and it's called Sound Meter, S-O-U-N-D, Sound Meter by Smart Tools. Now, it's free, as I said, and it uses your smartphone to measure decibel ratings. Now, this is great to measure acoustics both before and after a room is renovated, and I say that because many times people want to know, well, how effective has my work been? How, if I'm going to renovate another room, will this give me the same level of sound deadening? I want to know what I'm working with. It lets you determine the level of soundproofing that may be needed also between rooms prior to renovation. So if you've got that loud stereo or that TV and you've got a wall on the other side that you're renovating, you can use this app, check the decibel rating. If you're up there at around 80, 90, 100, it's way too loud, folks. You've got some idea of what you need to be doing to bring that noise down. So, again, this is a free app. I've used it in workplace environments to check decibel levels to be sure that working around equipment, or overall noise in a particular factory or other areas is where it should be, according to OSHA standards. It's a good, quick check. You certainly can use it to confirm that you're in a safe environment. And the other thing that I like about this, it's not a typical industrial app, meaning you don't have to have a lot of technical knowledge to read the decibel ratings and say, what does that relate to? It actually gives you a chart on your screen in common sense description that tells you what different activities you may find different decibel ratings at. For example, a rock band may be at 110 decibels. Normal conversation at 60. Uh, a busy street or alarm clock at 80. So it gives you something that we can measure by, and we understand, on a daily basis. Sound Meter by Smart Tools Company. That's our app of the week. And if you'd like to take a look at some of the apps we've done on previous programs, go to KenTheContractor.com, and right on the front page, you will find a tab to click on, and it'll take you to a list of all the apps we've talked about in recent weeks here on the program. We've got another email, and this one is from Mary, and Ken involves an issue that kind of piqued your interest. Well, it has, partly because we've had so many calls from around the country over the last several weeks and also a number of emails. So this is one that has a little different twist to it. Now, Mary writes to us from Virginia, and she said, My home was built about 2002, 
and said, I think when the ground around the home, the basement was backfilled, that the drain pipe for my foundation was either crushed or cut. Now, I contacted the contractor not long after the house was built, said I have a problem in my basement. They came out. They simply rerouted above ground the discharge from the downspouts. So clearly I'm telling you that the water moves away from my house. And she goes on in this lengthy email and said, I really don't know what to do at this point. She said, because I still have a wet basement. I did not have the floor poured, so I have a, a, a an exposed gravel or stone floor in the basement area. But I see water from time to time. There is plastic down there, and I have a mold and mildew problem. What do I do? Where do I go? I have my furnace down there, and I can tell that it picks up this mold or the mold spores and sends it through the house. Well, Mary, this interested me considerably because you've got a little different twist from so many people that simply have a wet basement and a problem where it needs to be ventilated. You've got to get water out. And in older homes, we don't typically have foundation drains, some that are were built back in the 30s and 40s and so forth. The problem was never addressed. That's what I want to tell you. If you're telling me that when the site was backfilled, you're satisfied the pipe that was to discharge water from your foundation drain was cut or crushed, you will forever have a problem around this basement. Considering you have new construction, I would get to the bottom of it. You can do a number of things. It's a patch on it. You can dig, uh, have a well put on the inside, a dry well, and a pump put in to collect water and pump it out, but you're still not getting water away from the basement. And the best thing I know for you to do, I'm sorry you had this problem. Things happen sometimes in construction. I wish your contractor had dealt with it properly for you back in, in the early 2000s as you're talking here, but you need to have someone come out, identify where this pipe is crushed or broken, dig down to the foundation level and get it extended back to daylight. And I assume that's where it was going since in your area, many of the basements are walkout basements and have it function properly. That will make this go away. Clearly, you have to do something, even if it is, in my opinion, not the best solution or a permanent one, put this wet well in, but you've got to get rid of the water. You need to get rid of that mold and mildew and not have it coming through this air conditioning system on a constant basis. And I know the frustration she feels because... She doesn't think this should be her responsibility, but unfortunately, it is. This far after the fact, it is. And I think this should be sort of a word to the wise out there that if you have, you move into a home and you've got a problem that you think is a contractor or a subcontractor issue, you need to contact your builder right away. Not only verbally, by phone, face to face, you need to send them an email. You need to send them a letter. Do these in very, very nice terms and languages, but you need to go on record that I have a problem. I'm not satisfied with the solution to this. I'm still living with the same scenario. Most builders that I know around the country value their reputation. They want to do the right thing anyway, and they're going to respond and take care of it. But once you let this go, as many years after the fact, all bets are off. The chances are very remote that you're going to find anybody, even if the personnel are still with that company, that's going to take care of something six, seven, eight years after the fact. So anytime you've got a problem that you think is construction-related, tell your contractor right now. And you made one very important remark. Go on the record. Got to go on the record. Not only verbally, you have to do it in writing. And emails are fine. If it's something very serious, always send it registered bail. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor, where folks come for professional answers. You have a question about your home? You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975 or online at KenTheContractor.com. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor.
You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.